I'm Olympic and world champion diver, Laura Wilkinson, and this is the Pursuit of Gold podcast. Each week, we are unlocking the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual tools that help athletes reach their biggest goals in sports. Get ready because today's episode is packed full of mic drops and truth bombs. Our guest is an Olympic silver medalist, a three-time world champion, and a four-time NFCA All-American in softball. Haley McClinney and her two younger brothers grew up relentlessly playing sports in their backyard, creating both her love for competition and her drive to achieve. And as you can tell by her achievements, Haley is passionate about perfecting her craft. And this is where her love of strength and conditioning first started. She graduated with a degree in human performance from Alabama, then later went on to complete a master's degree in exercise physiology from Florida Atlantic University. She's also a certified strength and conditioning specialist. Haley really brings the heat today as we dig into how she handles the pressure of being a leadoff hitter, how she works hard to be relentlessly present, why it's so important to play the long game, and why we need to fall in love with failing. In this episode, you'll also hear us talking about the power of journaling and why Haley is such a huge advocate for this practice. She talks about how putting pen to paper is powerful. It gives you the time and space to process things like anxiousness, pressure, fear, and failure. Haley also says it helps her sort through things like goals, purpose, and intention. If you're wanting to get started with this powerful practice of journaling, I designed a super quick but profoundly effective method with the Confidence Journal. I created the Confidence Journal to remind you daily of where you're going, and it will teach you the attitude you need to get there. Each and every day, you'll learn lessons that will move you closer to achieving your biggest goals, all while growing your confidence in the pursuit. And all of these lessons, they come from you. Through simple guided journaling, your focus and thought process will begin to shift. You'll start to recognize shortcomings and triumphs, what needs improvement, and even pride in what you've accomplished. The Confidence Journal will begin to show you the beauty of your own journey and just how tangible your goals really are. Now through the end of October, you can snag free priority shipping off an autographed copy of the Confidence Journal with coupon code STARTNOW at checkout. That's one word, STARTNOW. So visit laurawilkinson.com slash journal to get yours. That's laurawilkinson.com slash journal and use the coupon code start now. Before we get started, make sure you smash that subscribe button and give Pursuit of Gold a five-star review. Please tell your friends, your teammates, your family about this podcast so that we can continue to grow and improve to that next level so we can keep bringing you more resources, tools, and inspiration. The fastest and best way for us to grow is by you personally sharing it with the people you know and love. All right. I believe that there's gold in your future, so let's dive on into this episode. Haley McClenney, welcome to the Pursuit of Gold podcast. I am really excited to hear your story today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Tell me about kind of your, like, were you softball from like toddler stage or when did you kind of get into your sport? Yeah, so uh, my dad was actually a high school baseball coach. and He played Division One college baseball at uh, Samford University in Birmingham. So grew up there and pretty much from the time I could sit up, I was rolling a ball back and forth <laughs> with my dad. I'm the oldest of three. I've got two little brothers that both played baseball as well. Started playing t-ball at five. And um, I just turned 29 a couple of weeks ago and happy birthday. I haven't given it up since. Yeah. (laughs) So it's pretty much been one of the biggest parts of my life since I could remember. Uh, That's so cool. Did you ever try anything else or was it just like this is in my blood? It's part of my DNA and this is what I made to do. I did play basketball growing up. I played basketball all the way through my senior year of high school. Basketball was actually like my first love. Like I wanted to go play college basketball. Oh, really? Playing the WNBA. Yeah. My dream was to play for Pat Summit at Tennessee. Nice. And then I stopped growing at, in like eighth <laughs> grade. I'm only like 5'4". Like I'm I'm not a basketball player. <laughs> so softball became like the more natural sport, I guess, for me. But yeah, basketball was actually always my first love. Played peewee football um, for a year, was the quarterback of my peewee football team in fifth grade. So that was fun. That was a good time. But yeah, softball was pretty much it from the jump. Does it ever get like old to you? I mean, because you've been playing like 20 plus years now, you know, and it it is what you love. But like, are there ever times where you're just like, I can't believe I'm still doing this? (laughs) Yeah, every day pretty much now. (laughs) I mean, it's crazy because like all my friends that I like went to college with, they're all graduated and, you know, and it's like they're completely living their like normal nine to five, you know, lives. 
there's a part of me that's like, oh, that seems really cool to, you know, not have to train for multiple hours every single day and get to the field at like 8 a.m. and be there for 12 hours on end. There's a part of me that's like, wow, that would be really cool. And then there's, you know, probably like the 90% of me that's like, this is the dream. What am I complaining about? Like I'm playing softball for a living, doing what I love. And so, yeah, it goes both ways. I get that. I love what I do. It, it feels like the grass is always greener, right? But then when you get there, you might be like, it's uh, <laughs> I kind of miss the softball. Yeah. 100%, 100%. Exactly. Do it as long as you can. That's my suggestion to somebody who retired at 30, then came back at 39 for a few years. Like just if you love it, keep doing it. Like as long as you can, it's worth it. So what was your experience in high school like and like the whole recruiting process to college? Was it smooth and a breeze? Was it, you know, full of like potholes and and quite the journey? Like explain that to us. For me, it was pretty smooth sailing. I didn't do camps and clinics. I was really, my family parents were really busy with my brothers as well. So I got involved with a good travel, travel softball organization and really just got emails. I mean, it was pretty standard, my recruiting process. I will say like I made sure to go on as many visits as I could. I wanted to see as many campuses as I could and be there and put myself in those situations. Like what does an average day look like for me at this university? And then because I think because I went on so many visits, as soon as I walked on campus at Alabama, I knew I was like, this is it. (laughs) There's that gut instinct, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was the gut instinct and it being so close to home for me. I mean, I grew up 45 minutes away from, from campus. And so I didn't want to miss out on my brothers growing up. They were in um, getting ready to go to high school and middle school at the time. So I wanted to make sure I could still go to their games. That's cool. I had an off day or or anything like that. And I wanted them to be able to watch me kind of live out my dream as well. So and now both my baby brother ended up playing baseball at Alabama. Oh, really? He graduated a couple of years ago. And now my baby, baby brother, the youngest, is a junior there. Oh, so it did become a family tradition. I like that. We are a Roll Tide family through and through. So <laughs> made my mom and dad very proud. I'm sure it made a lot of things easier for them, too, since you're all yes. going to the same place. Yes. Oh, I love that. Somebody who has done high school, college, Olympics, pro, like you have done it all to like the top level. I have some neighbors on our street who are incredible and they're young. They're like eight to 10 years old and they just won like a national title in their division and stuff. What advice would you give for those kids? Because I know sometimes when kids are very successful early on, that's not always positive. Sometimes it is like, what advice would you give to kids like that that are really into it right now, but they're really young? Like what kind of advice? I would say a couple of things. I think the first thing is making sure you're not chasing trophies, but just making sure that you are chasing your best self through the game that you decide to play. You know, youth sports have gotten really just, I don't want to say watered down, but oversaturated. Like, I don't know if that's the right word, but I just think that there's a lot of different opportunities to go win tournaments and not compete at a higher level. My challenge would be like, go find a tournament where you're like the least likely team to win. And see if you still love softball at the end of the day, because we play a game of failure. Like I tell people this all the time. Softball is so difficult. If you're an All-American, that means your batting average is right around 400. That still means that I'm getting out six times out of 10. I only get a hit four times, and I'm one of the best in the world at what I do with that batting average of 400. So you've got to be really in love with failing and learning from your failure. And you have to put yourself in challenging situations to make that be the scenario for yourself. So I would I would say making sure you're not chasing trophies, but chasing competition and that betterment. And then I would also say too, like, I think if you want to continue to play softball or really any sport, like long term, like I know this was a huge part for me in, in my journey, like being a really great teammate stands out more than anything. I've had so many conversations with coaches, um, especially in the softball world. We play a game of failure, but we also play like a full team game. Like it takes nine people plus all the like bullpen arms and, you know, all that. It, it really is a group effort to try to win a softball game. I tell kids all the time, like I've never seen someone pitch, catch and hit in all nine places in the lineup in any given game. So you've got to be able to be a good teammate and bring the best out of other people. And I think if you do that, that really stands out to college coaches as well. So I know Coach Murphy at Alabama tells a story. It's awesome. So he tells a story where uh, one of the girls in my class, uh, Leona LaFaele, she was one of the best hitters that we had in my time there. Big power hitter from Samoa, just one of the best people. 
And Coach Murphy was going to recruit her. Someone had told him like, hey, you need to go, you know, watch this kid. Like she can really swing it. And Leona goes 0 for 4 in that game and strikes out four times. That's probably one of the worst games you could ever play in your entire career. Coach Murphy will say to this day, he was like, after watching her do that, swing and miss, swing and miss, swing and miss, swing and miss. He was he he wanted her right after that game. Why? And everybody always asks him why. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And he said she swung hard. She never looked afraid to swing. And every time she struck out, she would go over back to first base and she would be the loudest teammate on the infield cheering her pitcher on. Wow. He said you couldn't tell that she literally had one of the worst games in her life. And he said, I can teach her how to make contact with the ball. I can't teach her how to cheer on her teammates in that genuine of a way. He offered her right after that tournament. She came to Alabama. She ended up becoming an All-American. I think it was her junior, sophomore or junior year. She was an All-American. And just really, really cool story. So be a good teammate. You never know who's watching you. You never know who's watching you. Haley, I feel like we could just mic drop right now and just like be done with this whole interview. Like that was that first 10 minutes. That was like amazing. It's awesome. (laughs) Oh, I love this. Oh my gosh. So, okay. For you going into like from high school to college, that's a lot of times a big transition. It gets a lot more serious. There's, you know, if you're on a scholarship or something too, or you want to make sure you keep your place on the team, there's can be a lot more pressure. Like, were you always confident going through that or did it change like your perspective of the game or yeah, like what was that time for you like? I think for me, it was a really like not proving people wrong, but like just like really motivated to like prove what I could do on that next level. I was a hometown kid, like a in-state product. And so I think a lot of times people don't really have high expectations for local kids that come onto these rosters because they just think, you know, oh, she just probably got like a courtesy spot, whatever. Like Coach Murphy just didn't want her to go to some other school out of state. Like he wanted to make sure he kept the, you know, good talent, you know, in the state. And so for me, I just went in like, I don't have anything to lose. I don't have high expectations put on myself, but I know what I'm capable of. I wanted to be the first one in the facility, the last one at the facility. I didn't want to waste time socializing, being, you know, quote unquote, a normal college kid. I didn't want to go to parties. I didn't want to hang out with people or socialize, you know, from a very early age. Like it was about business for me. And I think that approach, I'm really grateful I had that because it really, really carried over to the professional leagues once I graduated college and to the national team as well. Like I was about my business. And I think that really helped me have a great freshman year. I was an All American my freshman year and also had a 4.0 GPA my first two semesters. So, I was locked in. And I think it just speaks to the power of focus. And that socialization aspect came with, you know, the more time I was around my teammates and around other friends and meeting people going to class and stuff. The socialization piece came along with all of it. But I was I was really proud of just the level of focus that I had. So do you think that comes from just a natural internal drive you have or are you like a like massive goal setter or like, is this something just innate to you or do you think people can grow that? I definitely think people can grow that. I think it's a decision that you make. I think you have to decide what your biggest priorities are. And for me, I knew I wanted, I would have had regret if I didn't soak up and pour in every ounce of my human capabilities into softball in school. I was playing the long game. I didn't want to play the short game of like, oh, I got to make friends this semester. Like, no, my friends are going to come. I knew that I wanted to play the long game. Like I knew that if I was the first one in the facility, the last one to leave, I was going to be the best version of myself that I could possibly be. And even if I wasn't, even if my performance didn't live up to the expectations that I set for myself, I wasn't going to have any regret. But if I would have gone out and partied and done all this other stuff, I would have regretted not putting that work in because, you know, my performance inevitably would have suffered. And then I would have thought, you know, what could have been. So I think it's a decision that you make. I was raised that way. My parents always raised us to kind of begin with the end in mind and trust that the effort that you put in today, like weeks, months, years from now, you're going to see the benefits of it, but you got to keep pouring in and putting in the work. So definitely a decision, just some innate drive. I love that. And I've had that in my career too, of like, should I do this? Should I not? And then the thought of like, I don't want to look back in five years going, what if? Like to me, that's worse than failure. I'd rather fail and know I just wasn't there and I, but I gave it my all than to always wonder what I could have been. Like, that's why I don't understand people who dope, who do like the whole, you know what I mean? Cause I'm like, don't you always wonder, like, were you actually that good? Like, how can you live with that? Like to me, that's just crazy. I can't even imagine. So I totally, totally get that part of it. No, no regrets. Just put it all out there and just be driven to the goal. I love it. So, I mean, you were an All-American every single year there, weren't you? 
Yes, all four years. That is so awesome. So what what was that growth process? And I mean, were you like from a little kid, you said, you know, you were all business. You were focused on that end goal. What was the end goal of this dream when you were a little kid? Was it college? Was it Olympics? Because the Olympics were taken away for a couple of years, too. Like right as you were growing up, they, they were in the Olympics through 2008. Then it was taken away for two Olympics then put back in. Like, yes. What were your goals when you were little? My biggest dream was to go play a sport in college. That was it. And at that time, you know, growing up in the late 90s, like early 2000s, like that was pretty much the pinnacle for you to like be a division one college athlete and play four years, maybe win a national championship. Like that was pretty much it. Softball wasn't in the Olympics when I was growing up. Well, it was, but then it got taken out. So that was just like, oh, I'll never even accomplish that. And professional softball has taken a while to develop. It's a lot better than it was, but Still not something that I grew up watching on TV and was like, oh, I want to do that when I grow up. And I think, to be honest with you, I think that really helped me in my career because it forced me to be relentlessly present in where I was in each given moment. Especially like in high school, it was always, you know, I'm just, I want to go to college and play. I want to go to college and play. I want to go to college and play. And then when I got there, I was like, this is it. This is all I got. I got four years to get the most out of my college experience. I'm going to pour all my heart and soul into it. And I think that really helped me. It got the attention of the national team, even though we weren't in the Olympics, could still compete for, you know, world championships, Pan Ams, things like that. So that was kind of my mindset of like, let's get to college, let's pour everything in. And then all of a sudden Team USA comes knocking and then all of a sudden professional softball is right around the corner too. So so yeah, what was that like? Well, first of all, I love relentlessly present. I think I'm going to like stick that on my wall. That is like awesome. I so love that. When did you, Team USA come knocking? Were you like, oh my gosh, is this even a thing? Like, how did that play out? Yeah, it was my sophomore year of college. So because softball wasn't in the Olympics, the national team had gotten a lot younger. A lot of the, you know, Olympians that played in 08 were trying to develop the professional game. So they had left the national team in hopes of trying to develop the pro game. So the national team was like, well, okay, like, let's just go get some college kids and let's go see if we can compete. So I went to a tryout after my sophomore year of college, made the team, and then was competing in world championships a couple of months later. That was my first experience with the national team in 2014. And then every year from there on out, just continued to play with the national team. And in 20, I want to say it was 2017, was when we found out that we were going to be back in the 2020 Olympics. And so for me, it's the national team started out as, you know, really cool opportunity just to represent your country and go play for your country. And then once we got word that we were going to be back in, it was like, okay, this is everything that I've worked <laughs> for, not knowing that I had worked for this. Like, I had no <laughs> idea that this would ever happen. But now like this has become my dream and become, you know, one of the things that I want to do most is make that roster and represent USA and Tokyo. What was it like playing on the world stage versus like college ball? <laughs> completely different, completely different. Our game is so unique in the way that you can play it multiple different ways, just in terms of style of play. And, you know, it's, it really is like a worldwide game. I think softball often gets, you know, grouped in where it's only big in a couple of countries. It's only big in, you know, you, the, the States and, and in Japan, which it being in Japan really helped us getting back in the Olympics. <laughs> but I think the thing that shocked me the most was the style of play from all of the different countries and how each country kind of has their own identity about how they play the game. I mean, it's little stuff. It's base running. It's, you know, do they sacrifice bunt or not? Or do they swing for the fences? Like, are they ultra aggressive or are they ultra conservative? Do they just want to get a lot of your information and do they want to hide their best pitcher from you as long as possible, like Japan does? You know, <laughs> you know there's just little different nuances. But I, I think, too, just a professional. I was exposed to professional softball while I was a, still a sophomore in college, my first year on the national team. And being around like grown women at 19 years old, like I'm playing against 32, 33 year old women that have played this game for ages. And that was really inspiring just to be around true professionals that loved the game, made it their full time job, had no other obligations or distractions other than being a ball player. That was really, really cool to me because, you know, as a college athlete, you've got I've got school. I've got I've got to get my degree. I've got to line up internships so I can join the real world after I graduate. <laughs> I got, you know, all of this different stuff on my plate. And it was really cool for me to be like, no, like softball can be a full-time job. That's pretty neat. 
And here I am at 29 and doing yep, softball is my full-time job. So, And now you're probably inspiring those girls in college right now, I'm sure. I hope so. That is cool. So what was that journey? So you get you get exposed. You're like, okay, the Olympics is a thing. I'm doing that. Like, But you're still back finishing school up. Like, What was the timing on this? Like, Did you have time after you graduated to just fully focus on softball and like making that team? Yeah, for about a year. So I graduated college in 2016. Spring of 2016 was my last year was still on the national team. We had world championships in 2016. So competed in that. I think we found out in 17 that we were going to be back in and then another world championship in 2018. And so how the softball national team works is you try out every year to make that year's team. So I really had to be on my game because I didn't want to get cut, you know, one or two years before the Olympics. I got exposed to professional ball, like true professional ball, not just international ball, but professional Softball, I got drafted right out of college into the NPF, which has now turned into the WPF. Got drafted by them, played for a couple of years, bounced around a little bit in the pro league, and then ended up playing with Athletes Unlimited the first year of, of that was 2020. So after the Olympics got postponed, joined Athletes Unlimited because it was the only league that was competing. Just wanted to stay on top of things. I have so many questions. <laughs> How, like when you get drafted and you're playing professional ball and you're bouncing around, you're kind of getting into that world too. Was that everything you thought? Like what is just like what I saw with those girls? They're just fully doing softball like 100% of the time. And this is like the dream. Was it everything you thought it would be? No, it actually wasn't. It wasn't anything like I thought it would be. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> and it's not anything like against the professional league. I just think that softball is and was a little bit still behind in terms of professional development. And so even still, like I play professional softball, I have for years, but it's not my only job. It is the biggest part of how I make money and my career. But, you know, I need brand deals. I need endorsement deals. A lot of the girls that I play with coach college ball. And so I think that other obligations, I think, clouded a lot of what I first saw my couple of years in the pro league. Just we're here because we love to play and we want to keep playing. But we have other things that are the priority. It wasn't that much different from college in that sense, was it? No, it wasn't. <laughs> it really wasn't. And it's, it was a small league. There were only, I think, four or five teams in the league at the time. And even still, there are only four teams in the WPF as of right now. So it's still very, very small. It's limited opportunity. But there's a lot of other obligations and just adulting, I guess, that, <laughs> that you've got to do. So but that's also one of the reasons that I continue to play because I want, you know, the Little League Softball World Series is on like literally right now. And I want those kids to be able to be like, no, I can play softball. It can be my year round full time job. I can sign one contract and that's enough money for me to make an incredible living. That's what I want. I don't want kids to have to worry about. I got a coach. I got to make sure I present on social media because that's how I get brand deals and that's how I get paid. Like, I don't want that. I want kids to have one contract make just six figures. Let's make six figures. Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? Is that too much to ask? <laughs> and I think if you ask a lot of my teammates that I play with now, like that's the dream. That's where we want to head. And that's why we continue to push the envelope. Yeah. Paving the way for the future. I love it. That's so awesome. Okay. So you're playing professionally, but you're still trying out for Team USA every year. The year you're trying out before 2020, like, is there a special kind of trials for that? Or is it just like every other year? We went based off a quad based system. So in 2016 was a huge tryout, like hundreds of athletes. 17 was a little smaller, 18 a little smaller, 19 a little smaller. And then 2020 was the Olympic team tryout. And even after the delay, we didn't change our roster. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Yeah, because we had Kat Osterman on the show way back at the beginning when I first started the show. And, and she was talking about that a little bit too. So I'd like to hear from your perspective because... I mean, did they make that known to you at the beginning or when the pandemic hit and they're like, we're postponing a year, were you guys freaking out that they were going to change the team? I personally didn't, I didn't really care either way if we changed the team or not. I was still confident enough in my ability to be like, okay, if you want me to try out, like, let's ride. Like that, the situation is what it is. I'll try out again. I know I belong on this team. So I think that was my approach, but was it scary? 100%. We didn't know if we were going to even be in the Olympics. We didn't know if we were going to have to try out again. What if we try out again and get cut? Like, what if I was an Olympian, but now I'm not an Olympian? Like, do I still say I'm an Olympian? I'm not going to, like, what, what, what? <laughs> it was really scary. So much outside of your control. I don't think they told us, I want to say, a little bit 
after the pandemic hit that they were going to continue moving forward with the same roster. And I'm not sure if that was logistically like they didn't really know how to have a tryout in the middle of a pandemic. Right. Or, you know, if they wanted to save money because money was also a big concern. I don't know. But I'm really thankful because that period actually ended up giving us a lot of really good time to to bond with each other as a team. We had a player-led Zoom meeting every week or so, I think, maybe every week or every couple of weeks. And we called it TED Talk Tuesday. <laughs> Each player, like whatever week it was, you would give a presentation on something that like you were super duper passionate about, but had nothing to do with softball. Some people did cooking, like baking. <laughs> you know, I did like, I think I did like working out and trainings. That's what my degrees are in. But it was a really cool bonding opportunity for us. Stressful, stressful, but, but weird, right? Too, yeah. <laughs> Looking back on it, I think it really helped us. So, at what point were you guys able to get back together and start training? It feels like different places opened up at different rates, and and you know, yeah, teams like that were scared to come together. So, at what point were you guys allowed to be back together training? I want to say we got back together in January or February of 2021. Oh, wow. So quite a while. I think we were still in really intense protocols, you know, practicing in masks, all of that fun stuff. We were pretty much like two weeks on, two weeks off leading up to the Olympics. And we just had we had different training camps kind of all around the country. We spent a lot of time in Florida. To be honest with you, it all it all runs together for me, like 2020 and 2021. I feel like there's about three years that kind of blend together as one. It's It's been a weird, weird time in the world. <laughs> it was wild. It was wild. <laughs> what was that buildup then to the Olympics like? I mean, tell me about your Olympic experience. Was it everything you thought it would be? Was it this like, because it's weird too, because it wasn't a normal Olympics. Like the three Olympics I went to were nothing like what I saw in Tokyo because there's no crowd. There's no, like, it's just very different, Right. And I know you had like several veterans from the like several like from 2008 Olympics and before like Kat on the team. Like, was that helpful walking into that? That was definitely helpful. Definitely helpful to have Kat and Monica. Laura Berg was on staff. Tariah Flowers was on staff. We had a lot of help and guidance. That being said, nothing was normal at the Tokyo Games. And we knew that. But I don't know any other Olympic experience, which is not sad, but just like, that's my experience. Like it is what it is. I will tell you, like once we got back in in 2017 and we found out what the venue was going to be, we thought and had prepared for four years to play in front of 30,000, 35,000, 40,000 people, Japanese fans that were actively going to cheer against us. Which is like your biggest rival, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. World number one and world number two. So we had planned on going into a hostile environment, the most hostile environment that any of us would ever have seen. And for us to get there and play, no fans in the stands, it felt like playing a scrimmage game. It was the most important week of my life, softball-wise. The most important time of my softball existence was that week at the Olympics. And no one was in the stands. If they weren't watching on TV, if TV didn't even exist, no one would have even known. Like, right. It's so weird. <laughs> it's so weird and bizarre to think about. I think that helped me play as well as I did and hit as well as I did because I was like, there's no one here. Like, what am I, you know, I might as well just have have some fun, like continue <laughs> to play softball, you know, but definitely weird experience, but not hostile, I guess. So that's probably a bonus. <laughs> not hostile at all. And we, I think it did force us to, you know, as a team to really like bond and take the Olympic experience and make the most out of the situation that we had together as a unit. I do think that if it was, you know, a normal experience where we could kind of you know, go out, you know, do different things, explore, maybe talk to some more people. You know, I think individually, we probably would have all had different experiences. But I th the best memories I have are like the bus rides, us sitting in the sitting in the village, like playing Uno, playing cards, looking out over the Tokyo Bay off our balcony, like so we could go outside and not have a mask on was, you know, being our little balcony bubble <laughs> was really cool. So it's probably really good team bonding that maybe you wouldn't have had otherwise. So maybe a, a blessing in some ways, right? Yes, absolutely. So how did you guys play at the games? We did really well. I think, you know, we ended up going through pool play undefeated. And then once we got to the medal rounds, just the only game that we lost was the gold medal game to Japan. We finished with the exact same record as Japan. We beat them in the pool play and then they beat us in the medal game. So it was great. I think individually, like I don't have any regrets whatsoever about my experience. Obviously would have loved to have won a, won a gold medal, 
that was the dream going in and that was the goal that we all set. But looking back, just really, really grateful that we got that time together and we won silver. Like, I think there's a stereotype with silver of like, oh, that must stink to like lose your last game because the bronze Canada, they won their last game. So they like went out on a high. We're on the podium like and all we can think about is gold rather than, you know, I think now that I've kind of been separated from it now with a little bit of time, it's like, no, like I won a silver medal. I think having that mindset shift was a really big deal for me. It's so much to be proud of. So much. And that seems to be, as I've talked to a lot of athletes, it's very different with team sports versus individual sports. Because with an individual, you can like feel like you won a silver because you just do your own performance, right? Some people do still feel like they lose gold. But overall, I think more people feel like they win a silver medal. But when I talk to team athletes, it's often hard because even though silver is higher than bronze, silver ends up losing their last match. So they feel like they've lost the gold. That's why I always like to ask because everybody walks away from that with a very interesting takeaway. It took you some time to kind of accept that. Like, I mean, were you guys very disappointed at the beginning or was it just kind of like mixed emotions, like right off the bat? I think it was mixed emotions. I think that we're obviously very upset that we had lost that gold medal game. Was it close? I don't even remember the final score, but it was close. We had a chance to win. And and having beaten them before, too. Yeah. Yeah. We had beaten them at world championships in 2018 and 16. We had beaten Japan plenty of times before. We had bases loaded in like the bottom of the sixth inning with one of our best hitters up, Amanda Chittister. And there was one out and she gets an absolute laser off of the third baseman's arm that the shortstop catches like in the air for a double play and if that hit gets through i think it's either a tie game or we take the lead or something like that looking back on it i remember i felt this way in the moment a little bit too of like it's just not meant to be like we're not meant to win this game and that was sad but it was also peaceful because god's will is what god's will is essentially right like what's ha- what's going to happen is going to happen like i can fight it or i can just kind of like relinquish it and did we want to win gold? Yes, absolutely. It, was it weird, like standing on the podium and you're like, you're supposed to be happy, but you just lost like the biggest game of your life, but you're still getting a silver medal. Like I should be proud of that, but I'm not. I'm upset that I didn't get the gold. It was a very weird and interesting medal ceremony. And I don't think anything in life can prepare you for that, <laughs> like at all. But like the more I look back on it, the more I'm just like, it wasn't meant to be like Japan was meant to win that game. And there are little nuances throughout the game. It's like, no, like the ball just didn't bounce our way. And that happens. Like you got to be, especially in our sport, like you got to be willing to roll with the punches. And it just so happened that we took a lot of punches on the biggest stage in the biggest game of all of our lives and all of our careers. But again, looking back on it, really proud because I know like less than 1% of the human existence has an Olympic medal. (laughs) Right. What am I complaining about? You know, and softball too, that has been taken out of the games quite a bit. You actually got to compete there. You got to earn an Olympic silver medal. Like that is, I love that you're proud of it now. I think that is quite an accomplishment. We are all certainly as team USA cheering you on. Very proud of you guys. What do you do after the games? Was it like, I'm going to play more pro ball? What's next? Because was the Olympics immediately, like, or softball taken immediately back out? Because I heard it's not in 2024, but maybe 2028, but we don't even know yet. Like, oh, that's so hard as an athlete. Like, what, what am I going for? What are my goals here? How do you walk that out after Tokyo? Yeah, it's hard. We knew going into 2020 that we weren't in in 2024. Okay. We at least had that like kind of peace of mind of like, this is kind of all we got. And we can try to get it back in in 2028. Don't know if that's going to happen. Hopefully it does. Do you know why they keep pulling it? Like, why don't they leave it in? I think that softball is not big in Europe. And I think the European fan base is just not really as into it as Australia, Japan, Chinese Taipei, the States, obviously. We're also tied in with baseball. So baseball and softball are collectively like one sport. And so I think... Does that help us or hurt us? I don't know. In theory, if all the Major League Baseball players, like the biggest stars in the world, played at the Olympic Games, I think that would help us. But that's not the case. You know, Major League Baseball players won't leave to go play in the Olympics. But can you imagine, like, everyone went nuts for the World Baseball Classic when Shohei Otani struck Mike Trout out (laughs) for the last out for Japan to win gold. But, like, what if that was an Olympic stage? Yeah. I always tend to think about that. So does us being tied in with baseball help us or hurt us? I don't know. I think. Growing the game in Europe seems to be the focus of 
the WBSC right now, which is our like international governing body. So I do think that it's getting better. Italy has a really great baseball and softball program, but if we can spread it to a few more countries, I think that would really help us. Just raise the popularity and yeah, no, that's okay. Got it. I was just curious because it sometimes their decisions are a little <laughs> questionable. <laughs> it would be my... Yeah. And I do think that, again, being tied into baseball, such an old sport, like since the 1800s, like very old America's pastime, like old sport. Whereas I think the Olympics now is kind of heading in a direction of like, how can we get, you know, the Gen Zers to watch what we're doing? And it's not baseball. It's breakdancing. It's skateboarding. It's I was just going to say break. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, we're over here like, oh, my God. But like cool for those athletes. Like you can't take that away from them. But we're over, like, again, we're over here like, come on. I know we're, you know, we're grinding like it's a fun sport. Like, just give us a chance. <laughs> but no. So what we didn't we knew we weren't in, in Paris. So after the Olympics, I actually went straight pretty much straight to Athletes Unlimited season two. And I did not want to play softball. I was like, I'm over this. The post-Olympic, yeah, the post-Olympic depression was like pretty real for me and a lot of my teammates. Um, But a lot of my teammates on USA and Canada actually played in Athletes Unlimited that season. And we all had ended up being like one of the best things, I think, for me, because I, I got to have fun playing softball again. Not that playing in the Olympics wasn't fun, but I just think it was like playing in a pressure cooker. Yeah. Like there was so much weight attached to it to come back to the States, play pro ball and just feel free being on a ball field again was a really, really cool experience. And to have my friends and teammates around that were going through the same thing as me, trying to process everything, like dealing with winning a silver medal. That was a really, really great experience. And I think if you ask anyone that was on the in the Olympics and played in Athletes Unlimited, I think they would say the same thing. Like we had a support group essentially playing in that pro season. And that was really, really awesome. It is a very real thing. And it's funny because a lot of athletes, a lot of Olympians seem to know about it and some just don't, or they're like, wow, that does sound like I went through, you know, but sometimes it hits people right after. And then sometimes it seems like people kind of avoid it or are living in oblivion for a while. And then it hits six months down the road. You know, there's this like, cause there's all this buildup, right. For all this time, all this intensity, like you said, all this pressure going into this one moment. And then whether it's good or bad, it's over. And it's kind of like this just adrenaline letdown and trying to process stuff. It's wild. It is so wild. It is. And I was one of those kids that I was like, so many people told me about it. Monica, Kat, our coaching staff, Bergie, like everybody was like, it's going to suck when it's over. And I was like, no way, like, no way. I don't believe you. Like, I love softball. Like, I love what I do. Like, and no matter what, I'm going to look back on this and be thankful. And then I wasn't. <laughs> and I was like, I feel like I got, like, I feel like I went nine rounds with Mike Tyson uh-huh. in a boxing ring. <laughs> My body didn't hurt at all during the Olympics. I felt fine. And then, like, as soon as I got back to the States, I was like, what is wrong with <laughs> I feel like absolute garbage in my bones. <laughs> and I emotionally felt like garbage as well. And I was like, I still felt thankful, but I, it was such an interesting experience. I found myself questioning a lot of like, why, like, why am I even playing right now? It was hard. It was dark, but again, like super thankful that I didn't want to be at that pro season. I was like, I just want to go home and lay in my bed for weeks, but it was the best thing for me to be there and to be around people that were experiencing the same thing. Did it hit you right away? And like, how long did that last? I mean, like, I'm glad you had other people to walk through that with you. Cause I think that's really one of the most important things is like, do not go through that by yourself. Cause it, it's just easier to fall into it harder. You know, it probably hit me about a week afterwards. So pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty quick. And then we were at our pro season, not even a month later. I think we got like two weeks off if that. So I would say it lasted probably until about like, our championship season is six weeks. It probably lasted the first four weeks of being there. And it was really just like me trying to process everything. And I think we were all trying to process. Our whole lives revolved around this one softball tournament. So the come down off of that, like, what exactly are we feeling? Are we feeling depression? Are we feeling disappointment? Are we feeling excited? Are we feeling proud? And there's still life to live, right? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> so much life to live. Like, I was 26. Like, so much life in front of me. Like, so many cool things to do. And 
but now like being far removed from it, like I got the Olympic rings tattoo and I'll just, you know, I'll be randomly, you know, out somewhere with my fiance in Florida and someone, you know, comes up to me and is like, oh my gosh, awesome tattoo. Were you in the Olympics? And I get to tell them like, yeah, I played in Tokyo, won a silver medal, the whole thing. And they're like, oh my God, like that's the coolest thing in the freaking (laughs) world. And I'm like, you know what? It is. is." (laughs) And I didn't feel like that for like the first year, but it is really freaking cool. You know, so it is. Where's your tattoo? It's on my forearm, like right, um, right below my elbow. So So everybody can see it. I like that. (laughs) Yeah. And that's what I wanted. I was like, I want to, it was the first tattoo and the only tattoo I have. And I was like, I want to put it somewhere where I can see it because like, Every time I look at it, I'm like, that's really freaking cool. Like I did that. I'm proud of that. And I also see like all of the different memories of the bus rides, being in the village, you know, sticking that stupid Q-tip all the way up to touch my brain to (laughs) test for COVID. Like I think about all that stuff. Like every day, right? (laughs) Yeah. I got to live history. And that's what that tattoo means. Like I got to live history. That is so cool. Like the most unique Olympic experience you probably could ever have. Oh, for sure. I got to live that. So really cool. Time heals everything. It really does. Nobody wants to wait for that time. But yes, it is (laughs) a big healer. Yeah, but time does heal it. Well, I was kind of stalking your website as you do, as I'm getting ready for these things. And you have some great blog posts. I love, you know, you get down to the the nitty gritty of like a softball, you know, like a, a swing and all these things. But then you also talk about things like how to handle getting benched, you know, is your process trustworthy? And I love that you're talking about that stuff. Cause again, it's just things that the up and comers especially need to hear. And I want to ask you that too. How do you handle getting benched? Because that is probably next to like an injury. That's got to be one of the hardest things for an athlete to deal with. Yeah. Super difficult. I think the more that you realize that you're not competing against people on your team, the more that you understand that you can play a significant role without ever stepping on the field in your team's success is so important. I tell people all the time, the most influential teammates that I had at Alabama were not everyday starters. Ryan Iamuri, who is the volunteer coach now at Alabama, we worked together like all the time in the cages. She was two years ahead of me. We all would always talk softball and she would always help me keep, you know, my mental game like where it needed to be. And I was going to play and she wasn't. She was a role player, would come in every now and then for a pinch hit, lay down a sack bunt. But one of the most influential players in my career. Same thing, Jordan Patterson. She also was a backup catcher, didn't get a ton of playing time. But now she's a lawyer working criminal defense in Washington, D.C., which is like one of the coolest things like literally ever. But <laughs> she would pour into me like just mental game like, hey, how you doing today? Like. Hey, like, don't worry. You just struck out. Like, you're going to have more at bats. Like, keeping me accountable for me being a good teammate while starting and while playing. Those players were the most influential to me. And again, like, I'm still using those lessons that I learned as an 18, 19 year old kid from them when they were like 21, 22. I'm 29 years old. I'm using those lessons that they taught me 10 years later. So if you're not playing, like, yes, it absolutely sucks, but you have no idea how much impact you can have on players that you play with 10, 15, 20 years down the road. I think, too, it's really, really important for kids, especially at like the 14U, 12U, 10U level. I literally remember not one single game from before I was 16 years old. I don't remember anything. Now, what I do remember, I remember getting to the field and like sharing sandwiches with my friends. I remember like being in the dugout and stupid cheers that we had. I remember the relationships. I don't remember what I did on the field at all. And so I think if you can separate yourself from like just what's going on in the here and now, like play the long game, try to see the long game as best you can. I think that really, really helps you have perspective when you get benched. Oh, for sure. Be a great teammate and Trust that, like, let it motivate you, like work harder, do everything you can live, live with absolutely no regrets in your playing career. You'll look back on it and it won't even be a thing. I love that. And I've talked to some athletes about that, too. It's just like you're going to have great meets. You're going to have bad meets. Like that's just part of sport, right? Like you can't win them all. Like you shouldn't win them all. There's something wrong if you're winning everything, you know, exactly. You're going to have these ups and downs. But every single time you can make great memories, you can have a blast, you can enjoy the game. You can love what you're doing, even when it's bad. Like you can, you can make this commitment to enjoy the process. And um, like you said, that's what you remember 20 years later, for sure. 
Love it. Well, you talk a lot in your blog too about like the power of journaling. Like I've, I've seen you mention that several times. Why do you think journaling is such a big deal? Why is it a big deal to you? I just think in general, like we live our lives so digitally now. I just think there's something really powerful about putting pen to paper. And for me, it's such a, it's almost like a brain dump of everything that's making me anxious, everything that's making me overwhelmed, the pressure I'm dealing with. I don't like to fail. I'm scared to death of failure, always have been. And I played softball, which is like not the smartest thing. Probably, <laughs> just, you're supposed to love failure, Haley. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot easier said than done. But just processing things and giving yourself like time and space to just sit down and like be with your own thoughts for 10 to 15 minutes is so powerful. I see kids all the time at, at softball tournaments and they're talking to their friends. They're on their phone. They're going to hit off the tee. They're talking to their coaches. They're back on their phone again. It's like, do you guys ever just like stop to think? Like, do you know what you're feeling? Do you know what you're processing? Like, what are your goals? What is your purpose for being here today? Do you, what's your intention for the practice that you're about to go into? Write that down. Because that's also distracting. If you're not focused on the game and you're all on your phone, like you're not putting the energy in the right place (laughs) for sure. Exactly. And so when I step between the white lines on a softball field, like I want to be fully mentally there. And journaling just helps me do that. It helps me set intention. Helps me think about my teammates a lot too. Like if there's a teammate that like comes to my mind that day that, you know, maybe maybe she's in a slump or maybe she just hasn't been acting like herself at practice, like I'll write her name in my journal. And that's my intention of like, hey, I'm going to I'm going to talk to her and I'm going to check in with her today. Oh, I like that. I just want to know how she's doing. And what does that do? That takes the attention off of me, pours it into her, lets me play more free. My performance is going to end up being better in the long run, too. And so is hers. And so if her performance and my performance are both heading in a positive direction, that means the whole team is headed in a positive a positive direction. We're going to win more games. We're going to have more fun. There's a lot of power in pen to paper. I love it. You just need to keep dropping the mic through this whole episode. Like <laughs> all these awesome truth bombs you're giving us today. I love it. Tell us about Athletes Unlimited. You mentioned that's who you're playing for. I did not know about them. Like, tell us all about this league. It sounds really cool. Athletes Unlimited is pushing the envelope for for women's sports across all sports. So we have softball, we have lacrosse, we have basketball, and we have volleyball. And the idea behind Athletes Unlimited is they wanted to give female athletes the opportunity to make really good money in the States and not have them go overseas to play. So that's a really big thing in softball, in volleyball, in basketball, especially. Everybody goes and makes their money overseas. They wanted to have it in the States, which I appreciated because I don't want to spend my entire year away from my fiance and my family in another country just to make money. I love softball. I don't know that I love softball that much. So <laughs> it's just a really, really awesome format. So there aren't set teams. There's a set roster. In softball, we have 60 athletes that are here for championship season. Each week, teams are drafted. So we change teams every week. Four total teams rostered at 15 players. Everything revolves around what's called uh, the leaderboard. So we get individual points for every single, double, triple home run. Singles, 10 points. Home runs, 40 points. Doubles, 20. Triples, 50. We also get points for each game that we win and each inning that we win. So if you win the game, that's 50 points. Each inning is worth 10 points. We play seven innings. So if you win all seven innings and you win the game, it's 120 points plus all of your individual points. So you add all of those up and you climb the leaderboard. The top four athletes on the leaderboard draft teams each week. So they get to choose them. They're the captains. Yeah. You go through the draft, you become a captain. And when you're a captain, you are the coach and manager of that team. Oh, wow. You can talk to the umpires. You can make substitutions. You are in charge. It is your roster. We have facilitators. They're not called coaches. We have facilitators that help us, you know, hit fungo and prep us for games and things like that. But at the end of the day, like it is the captain's decision. And so it's five weeks of games for us, three game series each weekend. And where you finish on the leaderboard, number one gets the most amount of bonus money and number 60 gets the least amount of bonus money. So it's a super interesting concept. I tell people a lot like that aren't familiar with the system. It's pretty much like live fantasy sports. <laughs> if you are ever if you are familiar with that. It's really really cool. It's really fast-paced and and energetic and you know every single second matters. Like the score could be 10 to nothing in the second inning, but if I'm on the team that's down 10 to nothing, I can win innings 3, 4, 5, 6 and 7 
I may lose the game, but I still get the same amount of points because of the inning splits and win splits. I think this is so brilliant because they're they're letting you earn points for both your team performance and your individual. So it makes you guys very competitive against each other, but also very supportive of each other, like in the same weird way. Like it's awesome. Like I think it's a really fascinating system. It's incredible. And two, like the winning matters. Like when we tell people like, oh, there's a leaderboard and you know, you're pretty much all ranked individually. People are automatically like, well, you're just playing for yourself. (laughs) Those inning points and win points matter. You can lead the league in every single statistic. If you don't win, you're not going to be at the top of the leaderboard. So the wins matter. Every inning matters. Doesn't matter really what the final score is. It's those inning splits and the the overall win points do add up. But it's a fascinating system. It's really cool. We're on ESPN, the ESPN family of networks all summer long. So that's awesome. Everybody can tune in and watch. And it's really cool. They explain a lot of the information too on the broadcast as well. They do a really good job of it. Does the leaderboard start from scratch every week? Or is it cumulative? Yeah, it's cumulative. Gotcha. That's so fun. We start week one at like zero points. Yeah. Everybody's on the same slate. Are like volleyball and basketball and lacrosse kind of done the same way? Yes, they're done the same way. So basketball gets, you know, points for every like field goal made, every rebound, every assist. Volleyball gets, I think, assists and hits or whatever. I don't know a lot about volleyball. (laughs) Lacrosse is, I think, the same way, like goals scored, assists, something like that. So it's different for every sport and it's unique to every sport, but they had a team of, for them to get these systems, so fascinating. They had a team of like what seemed like a million statisticians <laughs> that analyzed like, okay, like, does this make sense for if we were to go into, let's say the MLB season, like it would make sense that Shohei Otani would probably win every single thing <laughs> known to man, right? Like are our stats going to line up so that like there is a whole huge process determining. Right. To make it fair and all that. To make it fair. Too, yeah. Right. So, and it lines up. I mean, it tracks, it's really, it's an awesome system and it's fun for us as athletes to, to get to compete. And, and it's different. Yeah. It's so different. We get to switch teams every week, which is awesome. Get to build new relationships with athletes and it's really, really cool. That's awesome. So athletes unlimited, we can watch it on ESPN, all of those sports and where, like, are you still competing for team USA also, or are you just wholly focused on this league now? I am still competing for team USA. So we had a lot of turnover after the Olympics with staff and, and things like that. So the system's a little bit different now. We have multiple national teams that are built to go play in certain events. So I am still in the player pool. I'm just not playing in every single event like I used to in the past, which is honestly kind of nice. <laughs> it's nice to be able to play like one USA event per summer and you know focus you know pretty much solely on pro ball. So it's good. Awesome. Well, where can we follow you online to like just keep up with you and keep cheering you on and, and watching all this cool stuff that you're doing? HaleyMcClenny.com. I also do a weekly newsletter for softball parents and players. Probably can translate to other sports as well. But just talking about being a good teammate, how to prepare yourself, all that fun stuff. So definitely website and newsletter for sure. And then on all social media, it's HaleyMac8. Well, we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes. But yes, her blogs are great. I'm sure her newsletter is awesome. So go sign up. Haley, thank you so much for coming on. And literally, you should have dropped the mic like 10 minutes into the show. But like, (laughs) this was absolutely incredible. I love it. And yeah, I'm excited to watch you just all the success you're going to have in the future as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show. This allows us to keep bringing on amazing guests, and it also helps other athletes to find this show. Make sure to check out the show notes to follow us on social media and learn more about our awesome guest. To hear all of our amazing episodes, head on over to thepursuitofgold.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Pursuit of Gold is proud to be a Podigy production. That's all for now. Make sure to tune back in next week.